Welcome to the Friday Five, a series in which we cover five stories in health and science research over the previous week that you may have missed. There are plenty of controversies and ethical issues in science, and we get into many of them in our online magazine. But there are also lots of stories to be excited about, and this news roundup is focused on scientific work to give you a therapeutic dose of inspiration headed into the weekend. First up in the Friday Five, good news for people overwhelmed by their pill regimens. Research published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that combining three pill ingredients known to help with preventing second heart attacks into one master pill led to huge improvements in how these people did over several years. The three magic ingredients in the pill were actually things we've all heard of before. Aspirin, a blood pressure drug, and a statin. The researchers, led by Mount Sinai Hospital, studied 2,500 patients who'd had heart attacks in the past. The ones who took the trifecta pill had a 24% reduction in major health problems related to the heart, such as having second heart attacks and strokes, and they were 33% less likely to die compared to the group that tried to keep up with all three pills instead of just one. The reason for such a big difference? Well, we're not such big fans of taking lots of pills. Previous research has shown that, generally speaking, people who've had heart attacks don't keep up their meds in one out of every two cases. The physician-in-chief at Mount Sinai said his study is proof that making this pill regimen and other treatments easier and more straightforward can do wonders for reducing the number of deaths from heart disease, which is the number one cause of death in the U.S. Next up, I recently moved away from a busy road because I was getting tired of smelling fumes in my backyard. But maybe I could have just planted some western red cedars, according to a new study published in Scientific Reports. Scientists at Lancaster University wanted to see if they could use different plantings to cut air pollution from roads that run right past school playgrounds. This is one of those issues that still somehow seems under the radar, even though air pollution has been linked to as many as 9 million people around the world dying earlier than they would have every year. And this is especially important for kids because they're still developing, and they breathe at a faster rate than adults, taking in more toxins. The researchers planted rows of head-high trees at three schools to see how they compared at cleaning the air, trying a wall of ivy at one school, western red cedars at another, Swedish birch at a third school, and for the school with kids they really didn't like, no plantings at all. The planting that made the biggest difference was western red cedar, cutting 49% of black carbon from the air, and much of the particulate matter as well. It all comes down to the shape of the leaves. Western red cedar leaves have millions of tiny bumps that grab toxic air and keep it in their ridges. Contrast that with ivy, which has smooth, waxy leaves, so particles just glance off and continue their merry way into our children's lungs. The researchers are confident that a dramatic drop-off in pollution with more plantings of western red cedar can make a difference in the health of children. And this next story pretty much has it all, including diamonds, explosions, and invisible medicine. On August 29th, Israeli researchers published a study in which they made extremely tiny diamonds by setting off explosives in a container, causing carbon to come together in tiny packages small enough to go straight through our skin and even into our cells, without causing any damage. This may sound complicated, but it's actually quite quick to do and not very costly. Not only that, but the researchers were able to track where in the body these particles went. This matters because the particles can be coated with medicine, and then they can be sent to places in the body that need to be treated, something that, maybe aside from nicotine patches to get people to stop smoking, has been very challenging to do in the past. 
Using lasers, the scientists can then safely count how many of the particles have landed in layers of our skin and fat, which is something that had previously been done only by cutting out tissue from the body, which, scientifically speaking, really hurts. In addition to delivering drugs, these particles could help in the future to more accurately deliver vaccines to their targets. And from the booming field of synthetic biology, on Wednesday, a study was published in Nature showing that researchers were able to brew a type of yeast that can make the two active ingredients of a cancer drug. The ingredients, called vindoline and catharinthine, are useful because they get in the way of cancer cells dividing. Scientists have known about this combination since the 1950s, using it for a bunch of cancers, including ones of the breasts, ovaries, testicles, and lungs. But over the decades, the ingredients could only be found in the leaves of a plant with pink flowers known as the Madagascar periwinkle. Not only that, but you need up to 4,400 pounds of leaves to make just a gram of one of the ingredients. Not surprisingly, then, cancer doctors sometimes find themselves in short supply of these ingredients. Like in 2019, when there was a shortage and some cancer patients couldn't get the drug. To make their synthetic compounds, the research team of Danish and U.S. scientists had to figure their way through a whopping 56 genetic edits, such as adding 34 plant genes and knocking out other genes. As complicated as that was, they did use common ingredients like baker's yeast and sugars, and the team is now looking to brew up other compounds from the same family of plants that tend to be useful for medicine. And this would be huge, now and in the future, as a warming climate, plant diseases, droughts, and other natural disasters make it harder to rely on crop farming alone. Next up in the Friday Five, New research published in Nature Medicine shows that scientists could identify people with Parkinson's disease based on how they breathe at night, with the help of artificial intelligence. As of now, doctors tend to try to diagnose Parkinson's by watching how people move physically, like if they have tremors. But these symptoms often happen a number of years after people get the disease, which leads to a really late diagnosis. Other ways of figuring out if you have Parkinson's include measuring cerebrospinal fluid, but that's very costly and you need access to special clinics. Because Parkinson's affects the brain, and the brain controls breathing, scientists have noted in the past that there's also a connection between Parkinson's and how people breathe. The researchers at MIT studied over 120,000 hours of nighttime breathing from about 750 patients with Parkinson's, and over 6,900 people who didn't have the disease. The AI system was able to diagnose Parkinson's with a high level of accuracy. Not only that, but it could tell the difference between Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and it could pinpoint whether the case of Parkinson's was in its early stages or more severe. Instead of coming into a specialist's clinic, which could be especially tough for people in low-income communities, people can use the system in their homes. It might be especially helpful for those of us who have high risk, like if you have the LRRK2 gene mutation for Parkinson's, to keep close watch. And if the AI shows red flags, start taking steps to address the disease earlier, which can really improve your prognosis. And for our honorable mention this week, you may have heard that blue light from TV and your cell phone can mess up your sleep. But did you know that it's also been linked to mental health issues and obesity? Well, if you still need more reasons to put your phone on lockdown after sunset, researchers at Oregon State University have a big one. Lots of blue light could speed up how quickly we get older. In past research, the Oregon State team had already found that blue light basically hastens your arrival to a golf course in Florida. In this study, though, they showed why. Too much of this light, like if you spend most of your waking hours in front of screens of various kinds, could make it so our cells don't work as well. For example, by messing up the messages between the cells. What I haven't told you yet is that the study was done in fruit flies, not people. But the Oregon State team says the cells in flies and humans share many of the same inner workings. So it's very possible blue light has the same or similar effect on people. 
It was even found that blue light, albeit a strong form of it, can accelerate the decline of brain cells in flies that don't have any eyes, a tidbit that could be especially informative if you didn't realize that flies have brains. Next up, the scientists say they'll be looking to study how blue light affects human cells. As always, you can find links to each study I've discussed this week in the show notes. And please check out the leaps.org magazine online, where you can learn about the latest and most important challenges and developments in science, such as this week, research on a protein found in ice cream that could help us lick COVID, and an essay on the rise of machines to replace hearts and other organs written by someone living with a stomach implant. Overall, the leaps.org platform looks at trends and innovations through the lens of rational optimism. You can find out what to be concerned about, but we also tell you which scientific breakthroughs are giving reason for excitement. Thanks for listening to the Friday Five, and have a great weekend.